Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Atypical Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Jeff. Hey, I'm Joey. And I'm Erica. And we are the chosen ones. That we are. This is episode 15. And I'm going to call this the Uncle Owen episode, episode 15. I know Uncle Owen. Yes. Nope. But (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Owen is the person that Luke was entrusted to when they had to hide him and Leia separately after his mom died and his dad was the evilest villain. The second evilest. Because he is the 15th character to have any kind of dialogue in Star Wars (laughs) New Hope. Okay. That was a big stretch we've done so far. That's worse than That's worse than Stitch in the Chosen One's Eye. Uh, Okay. Stitch? Wasn't Stitch? Oh, whatever. (laughs) A splinter. Okay. Anyways, today we are talking about mental health. Uh, It's a really important topic to uh, deal with in youth ministry as the um, data continues to show that it's very prevalent uh, inside and outside of the church. And I just want to say that it's important right now. A lot of you've probably seen this, and I don't know if you know this, but People share things on Facebook a lot, and it's baseless. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Just in general? General, yeah. General, yes. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times what you'll see is around Christmas, people will share, like, this is the worst time of the year for suicide, so here's the suicide hotline. Yeah. That's false. Not that they share it. They surely do, but it's false. <laughs> it's actually the, the highest time is usually towards the end of February, which we're getting into um, through the beginning of spring because, uh, well, there's probably a, a lot of reasons, but one of it is people start to see other people around them perk up. Yeah. People that have a seasonal affected disorder uh, start to come out of that. Well, there's more sun. And you talk to even teachers and they'll tell you these are the worst months to teach in schools. Yeah. Because there's no real big break from Christmas break until spring break. It yeah. gets terrible. And, and even in youth ministry, I think I see it. From you our see kids. less people show up. You, mm-hmm. Less people is less commitment. And when they do come, they're less like like engaged, engaged. Yeah. when they come. It's and a so, very yeah. stressful yeah. season. And if you are feeling hopeless and the other hopeless people around you are starting to feel better... Everyone's still feeling the stress, yeah. uh, but that, that can be overwhelming. So it's a very important topic for this time of the year. I just wanted to get that out there. Well, I just want to pull out old school stuff because I've been doing this a long time, and I think it's more prevalent today. I mean, we're in a culture of diagnosis. Everything and self-diagnosis. To, exactly. And you, everyone needs to have a reason for why they do things. Back you know, 30, 20 years ago, you didn't have the diagnosis. It was just deal with it, the deal yeah. with it culture. And now everyone has a diagnosis, and so it is. So we actually you agree with are dealing not, with it. It's a reality that we have to address. Yeah. Side yes. note. Uh, side note. Here we go. Uh, memes that talk about mental health issues and make them funny that are often shared by people who don't go to a counselor but quote just know they have it really <laughs> really annoy me. Uh, it certainly you could have mental health issues. Oh, and they not probably go do. Let's it. be let's be clear about that. Well, you do. Everybody, if you're doing that, you do. Well, you have a need for affirmation, I guess. But um, you could have issues without having them diagnosed. Maybe you don't have the insurance, you don't have the money, whatever. Um, but I do think it's dangerous. We live in a uh, you are whatever you feel say like you, you are, are and whatever you say that you are. Uh, and I think, and we'll talk about this later, but that really minimizes the reality of mental health. And I think that is very unbecoming of Christians. 
So, mental health. We will get back to it after this musical interlude. Welcome back. So before we really get into talking about mental illness, I want to talk about what are we talking about. When we are talking about mental illness, we're talking about actual illnesses of the mind. Some people say, well, it's not physical. It's an illness of the mind. But we should understand it's actually a physical illness that people experience. Uh, from a scientific perspective, uh, depression and anxiety and a slew of other mental health issues are caused by a deficiency in neurotransmitters being created within the brain. Uh, similar to like, you know, if you have diabetes, you're not producing insulin. It's not that you're not producing any neurotransmitters, uh, but your brain is not producing the right amount that would keep your brain at a level where it doesn't experience those things. Uh, so uh, things like serotonin and neuroepinephrine are not being created to the full capacity. And because of that, you have, um, now you have a physical problem that presents with uh, mental health issues. And also, on a side note, also seems to have some spiritual ramifications on it. Uh, it seems to be that uh, mental health is a, it is a three-pronged fight. But too often in churches, it's been approached as a singular prong, and that's one of faith, right? I don't know about you, but I have heard over time how, uh, well, if, you, if people are depressed, it's because they just don't, uh, they just don't trust in God enough, and therefore depression is called a sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally heard uh, on a, when I was driving up today some Christian. Radio, I was listening to, and they were saying, "Well, there's yep. your first problem." I, I said, "Anxiety is when you uh, you don't trust that God uh, can finish things for you." And I'm going, "Okay, that's yeah." I actually problem. looked in the DSMV, and that's exactly yeah, how that's yeah. the psychologists describe it. So uh, that's the Diagnostic and Statistic. Well, well and they even said, so you know, because they were going, "Anxiety is that regret is when you don't believe God." Um, yeah, same thing. Can, can you regret were anxiety? The same thing. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> like, sounds, it sounds like. And this is what churches do uh, traditionally: is they confuse the word anxiety, as it's understood right now, as a mental health issue, and the word worry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they read in some other version of the Bible back a long time ago that you should cast all of your anxiety on God and be anxious for nothing. And because they don't study to show themselves approved, which is there's no commandment to read the Bible. There's a commandment to study the Bible. They don't study what it actually means. They conflate the two and then they judge people who are already hurting. Because it is a scientific fact that mental health occurs naturally within the human body that people don't choose to have low numbers of uh, neurotransmitters in the brain. Nobody would choose that. If that's a fact, and it is, then it must also be a fact that mental illness is not a sin. Being depressed is not a sin. Because God created your brain, yes? We all yes. agree? Agreed. And if God creates a brain that causes you to be depressed or have anxiety or have OCD or whatever, then God would be causing you to sin if it were true that mental illness is a sin. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's good. It would have gotten really awkward over the next <laughs> 20 minutes yeah, if you didn't. We didn't move forward with that. Should have checked with you beforehand. Actually, I know you guys, so I already know you're not like that. So I just want to get the, the scientific and theological thing out front. This is a medical issue. It is not a faith issue. Correct. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to mental illness, knowing that so many students, or well, I know that you said you got the numbers from me, but what are the numbers again? One in, I think it's one in seven for anxiety, one in five, no, one Flip. in five. Yeah, I flipped them. Yeah. One in five for anxiety, one in seven for a depression, which I'm not sure why they separate them. Because most of the time they do categorize them together in the DMV. But well, no, you can you can have one and not the other. You can. You definitely like, can. Like a lot of times I, they're in tandem. Yes. But like there's specific medications that you would take for depression and certain ones you would take for anxiety. Yes. Oh, we should have mentioned that. It's not a sin to take medicine. But they um, are often grouped together. So oh, like, because a lot of times people suffer from both. Yeah. So our yeah. church just started a new program that offers free counseling per item. And they consider depression and anxiety to be the same item, which I'm like, oh, okay. It's better than most churches not doing anything. Yes. So there's that. Uh, So those are the numbers. And and probably I would say it's worse than that. Like those are the people that are willing to admit it. And 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 have the the official diagnosis, I would say too. Whereas in uh, the church, it's been, and really society, it's been so stigmatized. There's a lot of men that have it that would never admit it. Yeah. Um, There's actually a lot of, sociological groups in general, I feel not comfortable getting into it, but there's groups where it won't be addressed. Um, so I think that, I think the numbers are greater than we even know. Well, and I think for church, wouldn't you agree that it's, you're going to be even less likely to say I have something wrong because of what we talked about before? Because yeah. so many people equivalent that to a theological or faith issue. I don't want to tell you I'm having struggles in this because you're going to say, you need to read and pray, read mm-hmm. and pray more. Yes. If I have depression, I'm already judging me. My brain <laughs> yes. is already attacking yeah. me. I don't need you. I don't need my youth pastor to help. Yeah. And so I think even the, in the Christian culture, it's even worse because yeah. of those other issues we've already talked about. I agree. Yeah. And that's why I think it's important to address it. So how, how do we start? Where, like, where do you start when it comes to uh, this realm? Well, I think the, the most important thing, when my youth group is widely considered a safe place. Our students know it's safe to talk about this there. And they know that there is no person in this world that I esteem more highly than your wife. Jesus. Your My wife. wife. <laughs> but thank you, Sunday school. In You're welcome. Uh, yeah, so, um, and with her permission, I started to share some of her struggles with it. But then also I had her, we did a series a few years ago, maybe four years ago now. And it was about not being broken by the pain in your life. And she got up and she really openly shared about her mental health issues and her struggles. And uh, that was that was a big deal, uh, moving our youth group forward. And then the next year I did a whole series on it, which I don't usually plug my stuff that you can get, but this one's free. Uh, So I will plug it. It's called Totally Mental, and it is in the DYM store. It's totally free, three-week series. It has a student leader training in it. But I did that in my youth group for uh, the first time a few years ago. And the name is funny, but it was because I met with students and leaders that had mental illness, and they said it's such a heavy topic. 
you need to have a little bit lighter title because people will be on edge. So I threw some to them and that was the one that they chose in my defense. Uh, so um, we did that. And so I, I talked about the reality of it and, and what it really is and how it's not a sin. And I talked about um, what our job is as Christians that don't have it, how we can minister to people that have it. Uh, and then I had um, another lesson where I talked about how even though you have it, you still have a part to play in God's kingdom. And then on the fourth week, I had a student leader share her struggles. This is somebody other kids looked up to. And she just, she got up there and she told the truth about, you know, her struggles. And it was really empowering. Um, and so, you know, through that, and one of the things that was part of one of my lessons that I, I felt like I had the, the cachet to do it, maybe you don't right now. Um, but I, I had them all look at me uh, at a point. Everybody's eyes were closed, and I appropriated that from the sinner's prayer. You know, I had everybody bow their head and close their eyes and had everybody that struggled with it looked at me. And just by the numbers in the room, it was actually 40% of our youth group, including uh, students and leaders. So that's how we address it, and it's actually every year it is addressed. Um, like this year, it won't be a whole series because... Um, we do every other year where it's a whole series versus it's one very in-depth message as part of a series. Uh, but it's also something that is routinely talked about and shared by leaders and students so that anybody new to the group knows that it's okay. Mm -hmm. We did a series this past year, um, and I took a good, a good chunk of stuff, especially research and scientific material from your Totally Mental series. Um, I also used a lot of, I studied psychology in college, so I had a lot of other resources. Same. Nice. Counseling degree. Um, so I had a lot of other resources that I grabbed from as well, and we actually structured ours a little bit differently and did two weeks. And the first week I brought in someone else who was um, trained in a specific model of mental health that schools have been doing lately around the area. Be, be nice. nice. Yeah. Oh, I know. So she nice. was a be nice teacher and she's also the children's director at our church. And so she came in and our first week, I kind of gave an intro to get our feet on the ground of what do we mean when we talk about mental health, kind of like what we did at the beginning here, gave kind of the scientific facts. And we started the first week saying, okay, let's, let's look at others. So it kind of gets them so that they're not on edge thinking about themselves, yeah. but saying, okay, there are people that you recognize in your life who need help and they need you to just be a friend or they need you to go get like real help for them and so we started that that way and then the second week we looked at ourselves and we said we looked at um, real mental illness but we also I try also opened it up to say you know you may not struggle with mental illness personally but you you have felt the feeling of anxiety, even if you don't know what anxiety is. You felt anxious before and tried to get kids to imagine what it would be like to be someone in those shoes mm. and um, allowed kids to say, you know what, I don't have anxiety and I don't have depression, but I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a phase where I'm feeling sad a lot. And that's okay too. And we recognize that part of it too. So that's what we did this past yeah. year. Well, because you can, you can have depression as a physical illness mm -hmm. you can also be depressed mm -hmm. you can go through seasons of depression mm -hmm. it's very real and it's very difficult and so i think it's important like while we're 
careful to make sure that the kid that has a medical diagnosis knows, hey, we're there for you, we love you. We have to be careful not to do the same thing to the kids going through the season of depression that uh, the person on the radio uh, <laughs> is doing to everyone at large. We have to be mm-hmm. very careful, I think, about that. Yeah, agreed. Now, uh, for me, and because I feel like pressure from maybe two other co-hosts to flex your credentials, whether you've got a counseling degree or a psych degree or whatever. <laughs> Both, yes. One of us in this group uh, got a social work degree and did social work for four years before doing the youth ministry. So I've, I've worked in the mental health uh, capacity for four oh. years prior to that. I'm not in saying, our I'm just saying I that's feel, just the realities. But, and so, but for like me, it. I have to actually say, uh, I have been not, I did not formally like head on address this in youth group. And so like all these years I've been behind the scenes, uh, probably just working with kids and parents and referring that way and doing that type of stuff. But this year will be the first year I actually in youth group in our formal setting to address anxiety and depression. And I think mostly because I just keep seeing it. And I've been this whole season, every time I meet with a student, I got a form and I'm asking them, you know, what is your level of anxiety? What do you think it is between one and 10? And we talk about their generation and the anxiety that they're feeling. And, mm-hmm. and so it, I've actually brought it more into uh, ministry, which I've never done before. Um, yeah, but I wish I would have been addressing this like more formally over all these years. And, and only till now uh, have I really started to like, like more actively but look at this. But you're still growing. Still growing. Even yeah. a thousand years into yeah. ministry, yeah, you yeah. can still get better. But I think for me, I think for me, the most important thing that I always keep reminding myself is uh, even though I have this degree in social work and I did do social work for all these, I'm not an expert. Right. And I need to be ready to recognize that and refer to someone who's, yes. who is much smarter and much better at this and better equipped to handle this than me. So, you know, that's what, you, you know, we, you know, we've had in our, in our youth pastor network, we've had a counseling service come in and, yes. and talk to us. And mm-hmm. I think that was extremely valuable desert streams. Well, um, I really team. liked how they laid out like, specialties yes like if yeah. you have a, yeah. a teenager that is struggling with um depression exactly blah 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 and it so it was like here's this person this is what they yeah. uh somebody whose parents are going to divorce is for this person yeah. um even people for the the youth pastors yes and for the parents like yeah. it was it was very helpful yeah you and brought them in yeah well done yeah. and so like i i really for me i gotta start there like you know i'm gonna listen to the kid i'm gonna talk to the parents we're gonna identify that they, this this uh, this individual or even the, if the parents might come to this recognition that we need more help than what we're providing. Yeah. And here's some avenues to explore that. And they always do, really. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. feel like, and what I like, I'll, I'll meet with people, and I and I always tell them like, I can provide you biblical counsel. I can I can share with you the hope of God, but these things are not just a spiritual problem. And so I always refer, uh, I'm willing to keep meeting with them, but I always tell them like, I can't be your professional counselor. And this idea that uh, my my Bible college, my first one, talked about, uh, we took a counseling class. So obviously when you got done, you were an expert, right? Yeah. And the whole point of it was what you call nuthetic counseling. Do you guys know what that is? Uh, Pray it away. Oh. Well, I was gonna say I took a counseling class at Kelvin, and we that would be way better than at the I school I went this. to. Uh, so, so the it, word nuthetic means 
Uh, I know you're, you're, the Jeff definition is pray it away, but I'm sure yeah. it means probably something more elaborate have, than that. I have no idea, but the whole idea Spiritual is that you, oh, yeah, I like that. you can, uh, whatever the issue is, you can take it to the Lord in prayer yes. and that's enough. And if you don't, if it doesn't get answered, it's probably because you don't have faith that it actually. Um, you weren't in my class, but you have a firm understanding <laughs> of that mode of counseling. I could teach that. Does that work for everything too? Like my husband decides to cheat on me, I just pray about it. Pray and then away. it didn't happen. Good. Uh, you oh, need, we're, you my, need, let's be clear the though. Drunk your parent, husband oh, has not cheated on no, you. No, no, he hasn't. He did. No, he is awesome uh, from the brief interactions I've had with him. Yes. So I would say. Big fan. Big fan of Aaron. Yeah, I'm a fan. That's my shout out to Aaron. Big fan. Still not the other daughter who we refuse to mention by name. Not Elise. We like. Uh, yeah, we love honest. all my daughters, but, you know. But at this point, we're spitefully not mentioning the others. Yes. Yes. So, um, no, it's like you have glasses. You're wearing them right now. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing them. Nobody would ever tell you to, well, just pray about that. Yeah. No, like we would actually, we would go somewhere and get the assistance of people that God has made smarter than us Yes. to correct it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nobody tells the, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. There are wild churches out there that would tell the cancer patient not True. to go to doctors. Yeah. True. Right? True. Or well, not have, get vaccinated. Or don't, you? yes. <laughs> uh, so anyways. We're going to open that. There's, there's a can of worms. So there, there are people that believe that way, but interestingly, almost never about glasses. Um, so it's just important that, yes, we should pray and we should seek God because this is a battle in your heart too. But it's okay to get help. Yes. Uh, I think it's really important not to minimize it. And I think that, not only do people minimize, like, it's very overtly minimizing when it's handled with the, well, you just got to pray, you don't have faith. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's an obvious form of minimization, right? Yeah. But I see a couple other ways commonly uh, that it gets minimized. And one of them is the idea of shoehorning it. We use buzzwords about... Like shoehorning? Yeah, shoehorn. Okay. You're, you're wedging it in where it doesn't belong. Okay. Right? So I'm talking about worry. All right. And I say, and anxiety. And then I say, I've talked about anxiety in my youth group. But all I've really done is made the person with anxiety feel like the verses condemning there senseless is. worry are about them. So that's shoehorning. Yeah, you've never heard the term shoehorning? I know what a shoehorn is, but I didn't. Yeah, hey, well, hey, that's not part of the topic. No, you're I'm at, sorry. <laughs> you're at an age that you probably use real shoehorns. I'm talking... Uh, colloquially speaking, okay. or you know, it's like so. You use buzzwords like depression and anxiety and mental yeah. health, and you and you wedge them. Is that better? Wedge them. Yeah. yeah. Give into, me the wedgie. Give me the wedgie. All right. Right when we're done, uh, into <laughs> messages that aren't about that, yeah. or we say, you know, cast all your cares on God. So you know that means if your parents have been divorced, or you have depression or anxiety, or uh, your family doesn't have money, and then we say we covered it. Yeah. But we didn't. Mm-mm. We, we almost, almost took a passing swing at it, but we really didn't. We just used, we just said words and it, it wouldn't be like, or you're worried about the rapture. Then we wouldn't say that, you know, I did a message on eschatology Wednesday night about the end times. No, because you only mentioned the word rapture. Well, that's how we treat uh, mental illness sometimes. Um, and I think another way to minimize it is just being lazy and refusing to understand it. We, uh, we should save it for the show. But we talked beforehand about like people, like if you, if I were to post right now to youth pastors in, in any youth pastor group and say, hey, um, anybody know like the effects video games have on students and their grades and blah, blah, blah. Tons of people know that information, right? Mm-hmm. We care about that. 
Yeah. But nobody, not nobody, but a lot of people aren't putting that same study into at least having a basic understanding of what mental illness is. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I don't think you should be an expert. No. None of us are. No one actually is. It's still a developing science. And in the world of science, there are no experts really on anything as it continues to, uh, our understanding grows. And I, but I think there's like a, there's this circular argument that, that we hit on because we, we, yeah, we, we all know there's probably some students that, well, if she's going to have depression, then I'm going to have it too. Okay. That might be true. There might be kids that like piggyback on that, but I would say error in the side of caution always. Yes. I don't ever want to look back and say, yeah, I, I just kind of blew them off because I thought they were just messing yes. or they were, no, uh, you know, I had a, I had a boy on a mission trip who was suicidal. And so I had to call his parents to come travel all the way to our site, pick him up and bring him home. Uh, I don't ever regret that, you know, and now he's an adult and we sat down and talked about it and, you know, what were the realities of him actually committing suicide on our mission trip and, you know, and we talked that over, but I don't ever want to have to go back and say, man, I should have done something when I could have. Yes. And so error on the side of caution always. And But we're so, we don't want to be embarrassed. We want to look like we know what we're doing, what we know what we're talking about, because everyone thinks they know a lot about everything. And, and so, we like to fix things. Yes. Like and that. We, and we don't want to say, I, I'm, that's not my expertise. I, you got to go somewhere else, because right. we want to be the answer. Especially, I think, youth, youth pastors want to be the answer to everything, to yeah. justify maybe your job or whatever you're, you might be struggling with. Uh, but... Error on the side of caution. Yeah, and, and the, where you have to call the parents. Yeah. That's a great example of being a safe place. A lot of times we think a safe place is, if you say it to me, I'll tell nobody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not smart. No. Uh, that should be your general rule. But when there is an imminent danger to anyone, then you should, you have to break confidence. Yeah. And they should know that that's the reality with you. And even, even if they don't understand that, sorry. Yeah, I, that's too bad. I'm glad you're alive to be angry at Yeah, yeah. be ticked at me the rest of your life. At least you're alive to do that. I yeah. think that brings up a good point, too, of I think it's easy for us to say, hey, we're not experts, and so therefore we ignore it. But you can become more knowledgeable in this area. And one yeah. really practical thing you can do that I think has been huge was I took a class on like seeing the signs of suicide and then here's the action plans that you need to take if you're concerned about it and based on how well you know the kid, based on what you know about the kid and that was extremely helpful and it, even if you never encounter a kid who is suicidal, which I pray that's the case for everybody, yeah. it still opens your eyes to think about it and have it be on the back of your mind all the time of okay, am I thinking about this in depth about this student? Yeah, it's, it's a great way to show that you care. And I think sidebar, so if I may. Of course. You, okay, you don't have to maybe study up to become an expert on anxiety and depression, but if you're going to work with kids, you have better know those suicide tendencies and you better know what to do with them. And if you're not studying that, if you don't know those type of things, you are doing a disservice to the job that God has placed you in. You need to know those things. And that information is freely out there. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't take it's much. free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. free anywhere. And, and if you can't sit down and, and kind of across me as, a, as another youth leader say, these are the signs and this is when you, uh, you know, you know you have to step in and act. Boy, you need to get that done. Yeah. That's more I know. important than your next message. Yeah. <laughs> I Yes. And I, I know that, at least at a time, there was the 
of free training by Kay Warren on DYM University about spotting the signs of depression. Or not of depression, pardon me, but of suicide. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one on suicide is free. And so, like, if you are if you don't have 10 minutes to watch something that's free, you need to check your schedule. That can yeah. save a life. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So we want to be a safe place. We want to be somewhere where they know they're not going to be judged. We don't want to visibly react to whatever it is they share with us. But part of being a safe place is keeping them physically safe if it's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a big part of being safe. So what about your mental health? Do you do any, do you have anything that you do? Because even if you don't have um, physiological illness, we all know that being a youth pastor sucks sometimes. Or pastor in general, probably. It's tough. Yeah. We yeah. we see things. I you know you you do have kids sometimes attempt to take their own lives, and you sit in the hospital room, and you don't ever want to see someone you love like that. Yeah. Right. So so there is a mental health drag on everybody in ministry. Do you guys do anything? I don't have a formal thing that I do, but you know that draining is what you're talking about that I hear, and I, I've for years I I didn't have any kind of real routine, but now. You know, I know when I'm getting drained, and I know when I need to either like communicate with someone. And I have a, a list of people that I confide in. You know, and you being one of them, and, and and my wife, obviously. You know, and so you'll call. I know I need to call, and I need to just it, grab someone who I know I can trust, who I know I can just talk to and unload mm-hmm. on, who's not going to judge me. And, uh, you know, call. call. Not going to post about it. Yeah. And so <laughs> you need that. And I also know when I need time off to step away and get away from this. And, you know, we talked about it before, like, you know, your Sabbath and those type of things. And those are extremely important to me. Um, you know, and so uh, those are things that I, I have to keep track of. And, yeah. you know, and, and actually my wife, uh, she will call me on things like if she sees that maybe something's awry and she can tell by my little nuances of behavior that actually I don't even know what I'm doing. And she'll go, all right, what's going on? Cause you, you're short with the kids or if I'm, you know, whatever. And so like, uh, she'll call me on it too. And so yeah. having those type of avenues, got to have those avenues, got to have those places you can kind of seek out and, and yeah. be able to just unload. And you have to be willing to let someone tell you yeah. when you're not okay. Yeah. You have to, and once again, you got to be, be humble enough to know yes. <laughs> you're not going to be okay all the time, and yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. What about you? Um, Sabbath is big for me, especially in the last year. It's something that I've uh, really felt convicted about after reading a book called Garden City. Not after listening to our podcast. No, I'm sorry. Sabbath. Garden City, uh, John Mark Comer. I highly recommend it. It talks about the way that you work and the way that you rest and how you need both and how heaven is not going to be us just sitting on clouds and resting but we're going to be doing work and how they they both are needed and they both need to be healthy in order for you to thrive in either area um so sabbath for me i've really been thinking about how i choose to spend my sabbath day um with us i often i do spend it with you but like this monday i wasn't with you and we tried to record a podcast and it didn't happen. It's because I was meeting someone else for coffee. And it was a personal meet for coffee, not a work. It was a personal, like, I just need to talk about some stuff. And I need someone to, to be an ear for that. Um, I am huge into reading right now. And anything that's spiritual growth has been awesome 
Oh, nice. You're looking up the book. Thanks. Yeah. Um, has been attention. Has been awesome for my mental health lately. Um, I need a place that is going to recharge me, and I do struggle with depression. And so for me to be hearing words over and over again that I, I know I should hear, but my mind tells me the opposite is very important to me. Um, and then I w- I'm going to start seeing a counselor regularly again. I did it in college, and... It didn't go great, and so it, it turned me off to wanting to go again, but I'm hopeful that I can find somebody that works better with me. But I want to make that part of my Monday routine probably. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 actually why I wasn't able to do our last movie Monday. Yeah. I was going to a counselor. I started going to counseling. And it was really funny to me because what makes it work and doesn't really is do you click with the counselor? Mm-hmm. and everybody's different so I was really worried about clicking with my counselor what if what if he was a gigantic weirdo and <laughs> whether he is or not I'm not sure because it we takes click. a few weeks to figure well, that no, out like, we really click so he probably is he's just my kind of weirdo but <laughs> it, ter- it turns out he used to be a youth pastor and was one of the founding members of CYL's predecessor Kalamazoo area youth network so I, I automatically thought he was good and it was really, like, for me, like, it's, I find it important for me to go to counseling, but I also thought it was important because of the stigma surrounding it that I say something about it. Because if if you're worried about going to counseling, you're going to be judged by other Christians, and I, it's probably really helpful that your pastor goes and admits it. And so I wrestled with it for, like, three weeks about posting it because I knew the type of comments that would come, like, oh, you're so brave. Thank you for sharing that. But that wasn't the point. It was just like, hey, this is normal. It's not brave. It's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took me a while to post it, but I did. Uh, but I, I just really feel that it's good to be able to go to somebody who can make sense of, uh, you know, my jumbled thoughts. Okay. Yeah, like they, like I have to come to a place where I make sense of it. But he really helps me uh, be able to take my thoughts and put them in orderly fashion and be able to process: Am I am I appropriate in the way I'm thinking about mm-hmm. that? Are my feelings justified? You know, feelings are feelings, but sometimes they come from a bad place. And so I find it very helpful just to go to counseling beyond what uh, both of you guys said are both important to me. But um, also I've been enjoying going to counseling and I think that that is something that's for everybody. Oh, yeah. And just to mention, like I mentioned this earlier, but our church put something out. And if you are in the West Michigan area, your church can do this too. And our deacons actually are the ones who pushed it forward. And we pay... Um, a rate for members in our congregation to go get free counseling services. They can go three visits per item and it's all anonymous. Like the church will get numbers of who goes, but we will have no names. So there's no tie in there. And one of the items that they actually list on there is just work. Like that's not a mental illness. That's just a a, a reality of life, right? Like, (laughs) and so you don't have to be diagnosed with depression, anxiety, fill in the blank to be going to counseling. No, it's good for everybody. It's like, it's, do you want to pay for regular oil changes and maintenance or do you want to seize dungeon? That's how I look at counseling. (laughs) And I'd rather pay the routine maintenance and not have a giant fallout later. So that's what we have to say for now about mental illness. We'll be back next time on episode 16 talking about games. Why do we do them? Do we do them? How do we handle them? All of that stuff. Oh, but before we go, Movie Monday. Totally skip this. 
No, we didn't. We're still doing it. We didn't skip yeah. anything. Well, we skipped we it, but Joey it. pointed it out. We're going to have to we make it brief. Nothing. Brief. brief. Yes. But Very brief. Right? 1917. 1917. Just the appropriate response. Just the post-movie response. Go. I would have paid full price. Full price? I would have paid full price. That's it for Movie Monday. Now you know you should see 1917. Catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Bye.